0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at Mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at Mintmobile.com.
1: This episode of Stock Club is brought to you by Hyundai. Restart your journey towards a greener world with Hyundai's next generation of zero emission cars. Find out more about their range of electric vehicles and the savings they can bring to your company and employees at hyundai.ie. Hi there, and welcome to the Stock Club podcast. I'm James, and with me this week is my Wall Street co founder and chief investor, Emmett Savage, and our head analyst, Rory Karen. In this episode, we're talking about Shopify becoming our first 20 bagger, the reason why we don't give stock tips. And which Fang stock we would invest fifteen thousand dollars in to hold for the next fifteen years? So, guys, we're into week fifteen of working from home. Um, the end is in sight, though. Rory, the barbers are opening up next week, and I heard you've already booked your appointment.
0: Yeah, I was right in there. I got the first appointment they had going. Um, it's really gone out, of, gotten out of hand now. To be honest, it's become a kind of like almost uh, wham esque. <laughs> it's, uh, without, without any of the kind of like preening that would come along yeah. with that
1: I don't think you have the tan
2: <laughs> is, there any, is there any truth in the rumours Rory that your hair is joining forces with James's hair and starting its own blog <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're, we're going to become a wha- we're a Wham oh, tribute wow. band yeah. <laughs> I admit, are you ever going to go back to a barber's or are you just going to keep uh, DIYing it
2: excuse me this is absolutely styled (laughs) (laughs) self-styled yeah i will i'll go back but i'll go back when coronavirus is under control i have no interest in a stranger who's just rubbed 10 heads before me going near me at all for now so i'm (laughs) going to keep with the diy plan for the moment (laughs)
1: So uh, let's move on to more important stuff So we're recording this episode of Stock Club Just a few days earlier than usual Because of this we're going to talk about Some of the recent daily insights published in My Wall Street Instead of covering the news um, And kind of talk a little bit more about them uh, I want to start off today though by giving us all a big pat on the back because last week Shopify became the first company in the My Wall Street shortlist to become a 20 bagger or to grow 20 fold in value. Um, Rory, I'll come to you first. How significant is this um, Shopify growing by this amount?
0: Well, I mean, it's one of those things, you know, everyone's always looking for the next uh, Netflix is probably the one we get asked for most of the time, you know, what's, what's going to be the ne- next Netflix. And anyone who tells you they know the answer to that is just lying to you, you know, there's, there's so much of an element of kind of trying to find a range of good companies, a, a bucket of good companies, and out of those yeah. good companies, some of them will just blow it out of the park, you know, and it comes back to that phrase that uh, Jeff Bezos used when he was describing how they do, how they innovate at Amazon, which is that, you know, when you're, if you're a baseball player and you step up to the bat, you get four strikes and that's it, whereas if you're an investor, you get to you get to strike away, and if you ever get a chance to hit a um, one in a hundred, you know you should take that bet all the time, you know. And that's that's kind of our attitude towards investing. We like to find as many great companies as we can. We try to invest across, you know, at least ten of them, possibly more. And you'll find those big winners. Oh, so, you know, if you if you maintain that kind of discipline and keep looking for great businesses, you're going to find a great winner at some point. And this happens to be our first one and all may continue
1: yeah absolutely so can we can we just kind of chart the journey of shopify since we added it? i think in september 2016 and it's it's kind of it was i think a lot of people were saying at that time um it had been on quite a run and it, it might have been overvalued which is a question we get in here quite a lot about shopify is it the company itself or has the world's landscape changed and has it been influenced by recent coronavirus necessities and things like that
0: well, someone was uh, reframe the term "overvalued" as having access to cheap capital, which I think yeah. is a nice way of looking at things. You know, if you've, if you've got expensive stock, it means you can raise a lot of money very cheaply, and that True. helps your business grow. And you know, I mean, it's not just that. You know, Shopify is an incredible business with an incredible team behind it. The CEO did an interview with um, Shane Parrish from uh, the Knowledge Project a couple of years ago, which is still one of my favorite ever. Um, podcasts I've ever listened to, one of the best interviews I've, I've listened to in years. He's just a visionary guy with, and, you know, they they kind of came in at the right time as well. They are part of what Ben Thompson calls the anti-Amazon uh, alliance of, of uh, businesses that don't want to see Amazon just control the entire e-commerce landscape. And they're offering some people something different as well. You know, there is a uh, consumer trend are changing where people want, you know, they don't want uh, the one size fits all offer that Amazon particularly has that they want, you know, to buy from smaller companies, get more of a kind of personalized experience yeah. when it comes to shopping and, and uh and you know, we always like one of the things we always look for when we're investing companies that I know I'm always interested in investing in and I think you too are companies that empower entrepreneurs to go out there and create new great businesses, and there's loads of companies in our uh, shortlist like that. Shopify, Wix, PayPal, uh, Square, all these businesses that are basically helping smaller businesses grow and expand their base. And Shopify just happened to be that company that was Hmm. there at the right time and doing the right thing.
1: Absolutely. Um, Emmett, coming to you then, so you've been been in the investing game for, for quite a while now. How often is it you see growth like this in a company in just four years?
2: It's very rare, James. And in fact, I just have to credit Rory because Shopify went into the My Wall Street um, app at Rory's... uh sponsorship I was going to say insistence and it would have gone in sooner had I listened to Rory sooner so I think our 20 bagger could have been a 25 or 30 bagger they, these are very they're they're rare events to happen in such an in such a accelerated fashion to see a 20 bagger in 4 or 5 years is a very rare thing uh, I look at my own personal portfolios I have a couple of different brokerage accounts and the my oldest one which is with TD Ameritrade has as most of my big winners in it, and uh, all of the stocks in there that are up over tenfold have been hanging around my life for at least ten years, so to see a 20 bagger in four years is unusual and I have a 14 year old son who bought Shopify um, back when, and he 's up 21 fold actually he must have bought on a dip or, or uh, yeah, I think he probably bought on a dip. he like must have gallon. listened to Rory
1: before he listened to you.
2: <laughs> exactly and i'm actually delighted he's learned about the transformative power of investing and equally uh i don't like the idea that he thinks that money comes this easy because it is quite a rare thing i mean we have maybe 105 or 110 stocks in our my wall street app and we're now talking about the absolute biggest winner um but it is actually it's it's a great thing and to just to elaborate on something that rory said is that like um great businesses rarely rarely ever look cheap they just always look too expensive and i, I can remember uh standing in a, a starbucks store in san francisco in 1999 or the year 2000 and looking at their shares afterwards and thinking it was the most preposterously overvalued coffee shop i'd ever seen in my life um, that honour now goes to Looking, but uh, it turns out that <laughs> uh, that Starbucks was <laughs> Starbucks was a, it was a great buy then, and you know I I think Shopify now is for a long term investor um, a wonderful addition to their portfolio. Um, I'm sure it's had a 20x growth, but uh, its brightest days are probably still ahead.
1: Well, you've just answered the the question I was going to ask. I think it's probably the most frequent question we get in from subscribers is, is it too late to invest in Shopify? They've been on such a great run. Have I missed the boat with Shopify? Um, Rory, Edits already put out his stall. What do you think?
0: Well, I mean, this is one of the questions I get so often, which is that, like it's it's almost like the the default last question in any sort of like webinar or interview that you do where they start listing out companies that and ask you whether you think they're overvalued and the, the ones that always pop up time and time again are uh, Shopify, Amazon and Netflix. And the answer is always the same. You can look back through, you know, with Amazon and Netflix in particular, you can look back over the last 20 years and t- find me a time where everyone wasn't screaming that these businesses weren't overvalued. It just didn't yeah. exist. I think at one point, at one point in like 2014, Amazon was trading at like 13,000 price-to-earnings ratio, you know, something mm. just totally outrageous. And everyone was saying it was overvalued then and the stock's up something like 4 or 5x since then. So yeah, look, those, these businesses that really break the rules and, and really shock us will always look overvalued. They they break everyone's, everyone's uh, models, all the DCF models you can do in the world won't ever catch them. So, you know, you can't value these businesses in traditional ways. And that's that's one of the lessons you'll miss out on so many great investments if you insist on fitting everything into the kind of traditional box that everyone tries to put stocks into.
2: And big time, I mean, David over at The Motley Fool, David Gardner, one of the co-founders of Motley Fool in the earlier days of his rule breaking service, one of the attributes he specifically looked for was that the stock in question was, Uh, called overvalued and hyped in in the media in general print media was shouting that this stock is overpriced and that for him was a green traffic light for go and um it's it's like history repeating itself here in this conversation it really is something you just see great businesses just never look cheap
0: yeah we need to i actually something i need to get better at as well Is so many times you do hold back because you think the stock is overvalued when and then, you know, about 100% later, you're going right, you better at <laughs> <I do> it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's human nature. I mean, it's so hard to divorce yourself from hindsight bias. And looking at that recent graph and realizing I could have got, you know, could have got in 40% lower or 50% lower. It, it's heartbreaking, but it's all part of the journey
1: absolutely so let's move on to talk about some of the daily insights then and rory i'm going to come back to you so a couple of weeks ago you wrote a really interesting piece about why you never give individual stock tips to your family or friends Uh, i suppose the first question i had when i read this was is that not your job
0: (laughs) i suppose it kind of well because we don't give like (laughs) <laughs> okay, this is. I didn't. I don't like this conversation going. <laughs> uh, no, I mean it's like we don't give individual stock tips to people. So like we never like talk to a a user. Like if a user like writes in and says, "Can you tell me what stock to invest in?" You know, we never do that. My family and friends kind of roll their eyes because they have to listen to me talk about investing all the time. And then when they ask me what stock to invest in, I won't tell them. Um, but the reason I do that is like. What I, what I prefer to do is i like to tell people about like four or five different companies that at the moment i'm kind of interested in you know they'll usually be quite well aligned with you know what what has been the recent stock of the month or what ones we're thinking of for our stock of the month service and ask them to go off and just do a bit of reading about them themselves and let them come to the decision of what one they want to invest in if it's just one and hopefully it's not just one. hopefully they're going to invest in a couple of businesses over the course of over the course of a couple of months Or the alternative is to, if someone has a stock they want to invest in, to get them to pitch the stock to you. And then you can kind of see that they've done the research and you can help them out in terms of maybe they've assumed something that wasn't the case. Or maybe they've not considered something like a a big competitor. And that at least lets you know that when they're going to go buy the stock, that they know what they're investing in. That they're not just going off a ticker symbol that you've, you've said and it's it's such an important element of investing because if you don't understand what you're investing in, you'll never know whether you're making the right lose or not. You'll never yeah. know, you know, if you if you've researched the business, you understand and you're thinking about it for the long term, a ten percent drop isn't gonna freak you out. You know, it's it's in fact if you know the business well enough, you might see it as a buying opportunity. But how would you possibly know that if you didn't understand what the business was doing and what the leaders were about and where the business was going over the long the long term? we don't never like to use the um never like to use gambling as a comparison to investing but you know i I think of investing in poker to be quite similar if you if you play poker without knowing any of the rules you might win a few hands but it'll be purely down to luck as you learn how to play the game and as you develop as a player it becomes luck still an element but it becomes much less of an element skill becomes much more of an element and if you look at like the world series of poker every year, there's about the same five or six guys sitting around the table. You know, you can't say poker is a, is a game of luck. It's clearly a game of yeah. skill with an element of luck involved. And so, yeah, it's. I think that's one of the most important things about investing. It's if, you, if you get people into investing and only kind of are giving them ticker symbols to invest in, they're never going to become good investors. And I remember I was doing a, a webinar recently where I was talking about pharmaceuticals and how we never invest in them because we don't have the skill sets required to analyze those businesses. Yeah, And the, the side chat just like lit up with people saying, oh, well, I don't know anything about pharmaceuticals, but I invested in this company and it went up 10x and I made this money. And it's like, well, good for you, but <laughs> you know, the thing about investing in stocks is that they either go up or down. That's the only way they can go. And if they go up, you might think you've made a really good decision. But you haven't. You've, you, know, you you know. Making a good decision is based on knowing what you're doing. Um. So you know, you could drive through a, a red light with your eyes closed and not die. That doesn't make it a good decision. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's a great book. I think I've talked about it before. Annie Duke, uh, called Thinking in bats which yeah. she talks about resulting, which is where we we base our decisions. We we base whether we think decisions are good or not based on the result, whereas we should have based them on where how we got to come to that decision in the first place what was the method and um, so I think that's very important for investing and, and it's, it's something I try and stick to even with uh, my closest friends much of their annoyance.
1: Yeah um, when, you, when we talk about investing usually you know the, the obvious output of somebody starting to invest is to make money but Emmet, I know you've often talked about as well the kind of other side effects if you want to call them that of investing about like learning about new companies and new industries and I suppose about the world around you do you think that bleeds into this a little bit too?
2: Oh, very much so i mean investing yeah the the end result the output the returns that's just the end point um really your your understanding as you said james of the world around you but also your own temperament and observation of the temperament of others and trying to get deeper inside your own thought process to understand and to kind of shield yourself from group think which is a very powerful effect you know if 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 you were standing in a room and with 99 other people and they all run for the exit and you don't know why there's a very high probability you'll run too but you (laughs) know occasionally that that charge is not wise and especially in the stock market you know every morning every day we're presented with. The voting machine that is the public the stock as stock the market moves up or down based on everyone's vote whether they're buying or selling shares and as a stock investor and as somebody in our profession our collective profession here we watch this a lot and we so often see the crowd running for the exit at the wrong time or running for the entrance at the wrong time and uh, you learn a lot about yourself uh, you know it's very hard to dedicate yourself to this pursuit and not end up reading books on Um, psychology and and mass behaviour and we've read a few books on that matter, I would say they're kind of pedestrian they're light touch but it's good to understand uh, the couple of dozen human biases that exist and to know, be aware of them so that when it's coming at you, you don't suffer from the effects of them. So yet the journey of investing is one that enriches your life. It it, it introduces you to businesses and sectors and opportunities you didn't even know existed. It will hone your skills at assessing strategies and you'll develop a working knowledge of accountancy, whether you like it or not. And um, all these things will actually start to lean into the other areas of your life beyond investing. And I think stock investing is the, it is for me the supreme um, pursuit for actually self-improvement of the mind anyway. I, I can't say you'll lose any weight by stock investing.
0: Well, there's, there's definitely an element of discipline in it as well, isn't there? I mean, like teaching yourself the discipline to not to avoid the noise. I, yeah. I can't imagine how many people over the last couple of months have you know taken taken the profits and then seen like stocks like zoom and teledoc and shopify shoot up another 200 (laughs) percent you know they they must be really kind of kicking themselves out thinking god took the profits way too early there when if buying and hold over the long term was your stated goal you should have just maintained that i mean that doesn't mean it's not that doesn't mean we're not headed for a for another correction anytime soon but yeah, we can wait we yeah. can wait even longer after that.
2: I was talking to one of our one of our uh members of our community and a customer who who sold at the bottom of the V just got freaked out and in doing so on paper lost millions when in fact he should have just sat yeah. stay put, you know, and that's a it's a very expensive lesson in human temperament, you know, and uh, yeah,
0: a lot of people did didn't they and you know it's it's the whole thing of, like oh well i'll buy back in when the when the market comes back but it came mm-hmm. back so fast it was yeah. and oh, we're seeing there. all these interviews now with uh institutional investors who are going on to cnbc saying totally missed it didn't have the fortitude to 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 hold or, or sold when i shouldn't have and didn't buy back in quick enough and the robin hood traders are all beating them at their own game now
1: well that that's something that that um that people write about quite a lot is that no crash is the same as the next one you know when when we think of a crash up until i suppose the end of last year we imagined you know the financial crisis whereas you know nobody saw the the covid-19 crisis coming and nobody saw the market rebounding as fast as that and if you kind of build your plans based on something that's already happened you, you know you you can't foresee the future or what will happen and um, coming up uh, let's move on then to to another daily insight you wrote recently, Rory, called the Dollar Box. Um, this is this is quite vague. <laughs> or you kind of pitched a question to the readers uh, in a very vague way. Um, do you want to explain to us what the Dollar Box is?
0: Yeah, it was a question that, uh, that I heard someone ask a while ago, and I thought it was quite. It made me think differently about investing, anyway. Which was, if someone was to give you a box that prints a dollar on the first of January every year for the rest of time. How much would you reasonably expect to be able to sell that box for? What's a reasonable amount of money you would accept for that box? It's, it's, it's a funny question because it brings up kind of two ideas. First is the time value of money, which is obviously very important in the world of finance. The concept yeah. that a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow. And the reason for that a lot of the time is inflation, which is something people don't really consider a lot when they're, when they're thinking about finance. They don't realize that money in their hand is becoming less valuable by the day, essentially and so the number one kind of goal of an investor should be to protect against inflation to make sure that you're not to at least make sure you're not losing money you know what was the, warren buffett's rule rule number one was never lose money and rule number two was never lose money and um, so that's like that's the first thing so if you if you're getting if you if you're getting a dollar every year that dollar is becoming less valuable as you go on and then the other idea between the about a dollar today being worth a dollar tomorrow is that money has an opportunity cost. You can use money to make more money if you know what you're doing with it. And so, what we promote here is, you know, well, this is kind of funner a couple of years ago when you could talk about the four percent you get from a treasury bond or the one percent you get from your uh, savings account or the ten percent you get from the stock market. Those first two options aren't really available to anyone at the moment. There's there's no interest to be gained at these low rates. But you know, if you can, if you can use that money to make more money than you'd want it sooner, yeah. And so that's something I think people need to be aware of when they're thinking about their financial future, and also to get into the mindset of everything being an investment. You know, every dollar you spend is an investment, uh, uh, whether whether it's a bad investment, like going out and spending hundreds of dollars on something you don't need, or or it's investing in you know a book to teach you more about investing, or yeah you know, anything that makes you kind of uh go forward in your financial life you have to think of that that money and, and use that money wisely
1: yeah absolutely i think it's it's a very valuable lesson um i, I remember at the time you kind of slacked everybody in the office <laughs> with the the position that if you had a box and it offshore your dollar and i you were getting some pretty crazy answers back
0: yeah I know it's just it's like it's uh you know you can go so deep into it as well you know anyone who's retiring. Uh, anytime soon will probably be uh, being offered an annuity which is essentially the exact same thing which is a a contract that pays you a certain amount of money every year that you have to you have to pay up front for so it's it's a decision what you're going to do with your pension money and that's that's a decision that everyone has to make at some point they have to decide how they're going to put this money to work for them going forward a lot of people will go down another route like income investing so buying into. Dividend paying stocks, you know, we've got some great dividend paying stocks in the app should pay you four to five percent a year and yeah. you can you know make capital on that. So that's that's something that everyone has to to figure out as they get older. It's 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 I suppose not as much of a decision for the youngest investors who are usually looking for capital expansion rather than income. But yeah, it's 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 all about the concept of thinking about all the money you bring in as an opportunity to improve your financial well being over the long term
1: yeah absolutely and every single dollar you make is is an investment decision to make Uh, so don't forget that you can read those daily insights as well as the brand new ones that we post every day in the my wall street app right now Um, let's take a look at some of the other things happening in my wall street too at the moment so far this month we've already published june's stock of the month report and the stock of the month podcast both of these are exclusive features for my wall street subscribers and can be accessed in the app right now we also have a brand new stock edition. Um, this is a digital gaming and e-commerce company that I the best most listeners haven't heard of. The new stock is already up more than 20% since we picked it. So although we don't celebrate short term winners, it's definitely a nice bump to get. Um, remember, if you're not a member of the My Wall Street community, you can just sign up right now and get a free trial by clicking on the link in the notes for today's show. One last thing I want to mention before we move on is that on Wednesday, Emmett held his first ever master investing workshop. If you missed it, the replay is available for a limited time only at horizon.mywallstreet.com forward slash webinar. In this workshop, Emmett brings you into his home office for a start to finish look at everything he does when deciding on what stock he's going to buy next for the Horizon portfolio. In just 60 minutes, you can walk away knowing how to use the same tools and strategies that Emmett uses day in, day out to consistently pick outperforming stocks. The replay is only available until this Sunday, June 28th. So go to horizon.mywallstreet.com forward slash webinar to watch it before it's too late. I'll include the link in the notes for today's show too. Let's go to jargon busters then. Um, so Emma, I'm going to come to you first. Uh, and this question comes from Dara, who asks about allocating money to stocks in your portfolio. How do, How do you divide your equity out amongst the stocks you already hold in your portfolio? And are there any strategies you should keep in mind when doing so?
2: Yeah. So um, dollar cost averaging is an approach made by most kind of successful investors where they continue to add new funds to stocks that they own and particularly like. So uh, there's a couple of approaches you can take. Well, obviously, uh, well, stage one is you build a portfolio. So if you're going from zero to one, uh, I think what we would advocate is don't reinvest until you've started till you have some diversity in your portfolio. And we say people should really aim to have around twelve different stocks in their folio within about a year. At which point then you have the the quality problem that Dara described there. And I think the best investments that I've made have probably been adding new money to existing stocks in my folio. Now, I've never had a rule that is just, I will add X amount to all my stocks at a fixed point every month. I'll usually take a view on... on, Well, the way I did it is it has not been, uh, I suppose, extensively documented as as the right way to do it, but I'm gonna tell you how I've done it, which you can take with a pinch of salt, and that is uh, I had for very, very many years a notion of what a full position was. And just yeah. for easy numbers' sake, let's just say it's a thousand bucks and I have 12 stocks over a thousand bucks more or less. Um, if I still liked the stock when it went down, I top it back up to a thousand bucks when I had the cash and um, it was a simple methodology for me to kind of buy on dips when i had the cash available then i had a second kind of swim lane if you like in my thinking which was that i will double down on those i like the most so it wasn't a simple approach where i just decided to add an extra 50 bucks to all my 12 stocks every month which by the way is a very very good approach but i guess yeah. uh, there's no digital answer or binary answer for dara's question you know alec money to the stocks in your portfolio is uh, it's analogous if you ask me to like Venture capital funds will will invest in a whole range of companies. And it's like a, a, if you had a, a kind of a garden or a lawn that was dried out and all the grass and it was yellow and you water it, you'll see patches of green appear. And it's actually adding water to the green patches. You actually can see where the life is. And in your own portfolio, you'll start to see stocks that are outperforming the others. They should not be ignored. They should get more capital. And we've made that point already. And then there's those that you think you, if you still believe their strategy is intact, they've gone on sale and you add to those two. So I'm not being really prescriptive in my answer to Tara's question. It's like buy, the one, buy more of the ones you love. And um, if other ones go below your buy price and they are still the same business, doing the same thing with the same opportunity, consider adding to it as well.
1: I think an important point you hit on there though, is the consistency that's needed. And it's that, you know, you need to consistently put money aside into your brokerage account, at least whether you invest in the stocks or not, but just have that money, if possible, consistently flowing into the account.
2: Through thick and thin, that is the differentiating factor between a good and an outstanding portfolio. And anyone I know of who's built an outstanding portfolio has just maintained a discipline of adding some money a little money often it's far more powerful than starting with a lot of money and the math behind this the economics behind this are proven out and played out and modeled umpteen times but if you just start you know uh, as best you can but just commit yourself to doing it regularly the mathematics of of that approach are far more powerful far far more powerful and transformative than just starting with a, with a lot of money and doing it once
1: cool Uh, The next question comes from James Cicero, who tweeted us and asked our our thoughts on option trading. So I suppose what we want to know is what is option trading? Is it a good idea? And especially given the current market conditions at the moment. uh, Rory, I might throw that over to you.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, uh, Emmett, you have more experience with option trading, certainly, than I would. But option trading is, you know, when you're option trading, you're not buying stock in a company. What you're buying is a, a financial derivative, essentially a contract. That will allow you to buy. In, a, in in terms of a call option, would allow you to buy a stock at a certain price in the future. Um, yeah. What's you I mean? The big difference, you know, a lot of people would say it's investing in stocks rather than options means you leaving a lot of money on the table because you can get you can leverage yourself using options. But the downside is that you're putting a time limit on your investment. So you're you're predicting that the stock is going to move a certain way over a certain amount of time. Whereas with long term buy and hold investing, you know, you're giving yourself a lot more leeway in terms of letting the strategy play out over the long term. And so, I mean, yeah, you want to add anything to that? You kind of have to, you've been through the options game a bit more than I have.
2: I have, yeah. And I think you touch on all the points there, Rory. the, the The real crux of it is what you said there. If you're going into an options, uh world you are long-term buying hold ceases to exist as a strategy yeah. for an option because it's time bound it has that third dimension it isn't just finding the stock you love and buying it or uh, you're actually betting on it because it has has an outcome at a fixed point so if you go to a, a horse race you pick a horse it goes around uh, the track and when it crosses the line the race is over and that line in the world of options is a date that is pre-decided between you and the person who's buying the option from you, or selling, uh, or who you're selling the option to. So um, the thing about options is, if you're going to use them, and they do have a very, uh, they very, very strong economic function. And I'm not, yeah. we're not here to say that options are a bad thing. It just requires a different discipline and a different approach. And um, there are. Tomes written about option strategies, and they all make sense. Now you need to have a reasonably good head on your shoulders to understand the different strategies that you can apply um, and be quite good at reading the graphs that those options imply. But there's some really great options out there, like covered calls. If you decided you're just gonna exit position and uh, you can write a covered call, or if you believe, you know, writing puts are, are uh, you know, there's different strategies you can take them. I think as a team here, we've often thought about producing something more in depth on that. Yeah, uh, but it is it is a rabbit hole. You know, it's a whole new pursuit, and it can bolster your your folios or turns, or it can very much crimp them. But yeah, it's a different pursuit, but but it has its role in society. And by the way, options have been around for as long as humankind, and the the the, the origins of options goes right back to Damascus, where you could go and promise get the promise of bags of salt as far as i know at a fixed price for the year ahead if you paid the vendor a certain amount of okay. money now so he took money off you now here she took money off you now and the promise that they would sell you bags of salt at a fixed price for the year ahead and that i think is the kernel of the options market where you paid someone for the the right but not the obligation to buy this commodity off them at a fixed price in the future. And then every variation of what I've just explained there (laughs) kind of bubbled up as the years went by
1: that was i thought we were going to go down the podcast version of a wikipedia hole there <laughs> um the so next question uh is actually related to the, the question about options and it comes from mark and he asked us about short ratios so he was um talking specifically in terms of match group who have uh, quite a high short ratio so do we pay attention to them when considering uh, an investment and do they matter rory
0: uh, yeah, I actually do read up on them quite, quite an awful lot. There's a, a, I think Finviz is the website that you can get quite a lot of information on stocks and they, they produce a short ratio. Uh, the short ratio is basically just a, a, a giving you a, an idea of how many investors are betting against the stock. Uh, so as we've discussed many times before, you can long, you can be long a stock or short a stock. So the short ratio is what percentage of load is being shorted or sometimes it's expressed as how many days it would take for the short holders to cover their positions, so there's, there's two different ways you can look at it. Um, but one of the, so yeah, there's one of the reasons I kind of looked at is uh, quite, quite interested in companies that are heavily shorted, it goes back to the um, conversation we had at the start of this podcast where companies that are widely overvalued tend to be heavily short or when people say that this company is massively overvalued, you know, and you can find them being heavily shorted. And, um, it's, a, it's an interesting kind of strategy because a, a company that's heavily shorted, if they get kind of some good news where you can find is they have a short, what's called a short squeeze where the people who are short the stock in order to cover their position have to buy the stock, yeah. which is just one of the mechanisms of shorting a stock is that you're, you're borrowing it off someone and so, in order to cover your position, to close it, your position, you have to buy the stock to return it to the original owner, and that causes a massive spike in the price, which is called a short squeeze. Um, so, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's a risky enough uh, strategy in terms of what you're doing. Is you're basically betting against. If you if you're if you're investing in companies that are heavily shorted, you're betting against the, I suppose the kind of uh, the greater <laughs> uh, community. But what you can do is you can definitely see kind of short-term spikes in price whenever if they release kind of a good earnings report or some good news comes out about them.
1: I think you said once before, Rory, that the, the real danger with shorts is that, you know, if you invest in a stock, the worst it can do is fall to zero. Whereas if you short a stock, there's no limit or there's no ceiling on how high a stock can go, which means how much you pay for the
0: stock. Yeah, I mean, in practice, that'll probably never happen because when, again, through the mechanism of shorting, what you're doing is you're borrowing from your broker and your broker will probably close out your position for you before that happens. But we've seen some examples in the past of companies that were very heavily shorted uh, that um were out of nowhere acquired, for example, and the stock shot up, you know, 60, 70 percent, you know, losing 70 percent over the course of an evening when the markets closed can be quite painful for an investor particularly yeah. if you then also owe that money back to your broker.
1: Absolutely. Um, so I'll come to the last question now. So this question might be more specific to our Irish and our UK listeners. Um, Rob got in touch with us asking about currency fluctuation and any strategies we might have for covering loss and investing in dollar stocks from euro. Um, Emmett, I'll throw this over to you because I think this is something you have some experience with.
2: Yeah. So we here in Europe are in the eurozone and we are investing in the US stock market and therefore investing with US dollars and the currency fluctuation issue, if you look at the long-term cyclicality, the exchange rate between euro and dollars, over the very long term you will out-invest that. So if your portfolio is returning below the S&P 500, which is um let's say nine percent per year compounded over the long term there's no way that you're gonna lose out to that kind of return by buying a currency A currency generally exchanges within a predictable trading range so i guess my point is that over the long term you will out invest currency fluctuations yeah i always ignored it and it's a bit like dollar cost averaging i just bought us dollars when I had euros to do so, and um, over the very long term, it had a smoothing effect. In fact, with DCA dollar cost averaging math, that actually worked out better, which I won't go into now. But by just buying dollars when you have the your cash available and getting it done, over and done with and getting on with it is over the very long term, your best bet.
1: So it's something that uh, long term investors don't have to worry about. It's more of a short term concern, really. Entirely. Now
2: at the far end in the autumn of your life where you're looking at a multi-million dollar portfolio and you decided I'm cashing in, I'm bringing this home and I'm buying the island or the boat or whatever it is that you <laughs> wish to do, um, that is probably where you really want to um, uh, do the best you can do and really that's uh, anyone's that's guess. Really, you're, you, you only live once, so you've got to bring the cash home when you've got it, so that's uh, the far end of the conveyor belt.
1: Absolutely. Right, so that was Jargon Busters. We'll move on to the elevator pitch now. Um, This week's elevator pitch comes in from a listener, Keith, who asked if you had $10,000 to invest and hold for 15 years in any one of the FANG stocks, so that's Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, or Google, which would you choose? Um, I'm going to enhance this question a little bit by adding in Microsoft, first of all. So we'll have Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Microsoft, or Google. And I'm also going to ask, as well as which one you would invest and hold for 15 years, which which one you would not invest in um, and hold for 15 years. So uh two parts to that question there. Uh Rory, I'll come to you first. Go with the one you'd invest in first.
0: Yeah, I mean, out of all of those, I think my answer is always Amazon. I just think, um you know, Amazon is a company that people kind of forget that this was built by one person over the course of the last 25 years has become an absolute behemoth and, you know, Jeff Bezos left a, a high-paying job in Wall Street to move his family to Seattle and, and, and set up Amazon. And you know, he had the vision to see what I'm sure, like, well, sure plenty of people saw, but not to, to the extent that he did. And has, you know, is a self-made richest man in the world. Has had so many successes. You know, and taken on so many giants as well. I think people forget that. You know, Amazon was first taken on Borders in the book game, and then radio shack in the dvd game and then they walmart in the grocery game and he just comes out top every single time with yeah. kindle and prime and uh aws you know just an incredible visionary and if there's one person i'd hand my happily hand my money over to to, to put to good use it would be jeff bezos
1: what's that saying you won't get fired for picking amazon
0: no, no one gets fired for picking amazon <laughs> that, was the, that was the old wall street adage no one ever gets fired for picking amazon
1: and um, i'll come to you then which company would you pick to invest in and hold for 15 years
2: um so we love founder-led companies and when we look at facebook amazon apple netflix netflix google and microsoft uh we know the lads at google are still involved um facebook mark is still involved mark zuckerberg of course the ceo founder and um of course we've jeff bezos at amazon so i'm going to and i'll read hastings and netflix of course but i am gonna agree with rory i just think amazon is the it's it's the it's the juggernaut it's the future
1: short and sweet <laughs> right so Emmet, um, i'll say with you then so which company would you be least likely to invest in out of them this is probably the more interesting one to to yeah. find out about
2: it's far easier for me to answer this one because when I gave the answer for Amazon, I was also, I'm Apple, you know, who could argue against Apple? Uh, but for me, I just wouldn't invest in Facebook and I invested okay. 95% of my shares in Facebook over the last couple of years for a couple of different reasons. Um, but I just, like when you look at TikTok as an example, it's proven that Facebook and its companies don't have a a monopoly on wildfire growth. Yeah. You know, there was Facebook and then all the uh, assets it bought whether it's WhatsApp or Instagram and all those they all grew like wildfire like they just appeared in our lives. Um the same goes for TikTok and something else is going to come along and I just think that while Facebook is the dominant force in keeping people connected um I just it's the one that I would not buy right now and there's a whole lot of other reasons that I won't bore the world with. Absolutely. Rory
0: yeah, same. Uh, definitely, Facebook out of the the ones mentioned there would be the last stock I wouldn't invest in. Um, you know, Emmett, yeah, made some great points there about TikTok and and I don't. I think Facebook hasn't innovated the way that they used to back in the day. Yeah. Uh, I think that they've they've become a kind of they copy an awful lot of other ideas and kind of muscle people around. And I think you know, as a company i I'm, I think they're a net negative for the world. Mark Zuckerberg, as much as he is a great business mind, is kind of tone deaf to what's really happening out there and how how, how problematic what these created can be over the long term. So okay. yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put my money behind it
1: wow okay uniformity for once <laughs> across the elevator pitches um so that's it from this week's stock club don't forget that there's loads of great new stuff in the my wall street app at the moment if there's anything you want us to discuss or explain on the next episode of stock club please make sure to get in touch with us you can catch us on twitter that's at my wall street hq or email us at pod at my com that's pod at mywallstreet.com. com don't forget to subscribe to stock club if you're enjoying it and please leave a review or a rating for us on whatever podcasting platform you listen to us on from all of us here we'll talk to you in two weeks happy investing this episode of stock club is brought to you by hyundai restart your journey towards a greener world with hyundai's next generation of zero emission cars Find out more about their range of electric vehicles and the savings they can bring to your company and employees at hyundai.ie.